Hi everyone, and welcome to the 206th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here with Churro! Hey guys. Churro, what's up? Not much. Uh, just got done streaming earlier today. Oh sweet, what were you playing? <clears throat> I was playing a spoopy game, Resident Evil 2 Remake. Oh sweet, how, how is that? I really want to play it. It's actually pretty fun, you know, it's a lot harder than the original. Yeah. It's actually pretty, pretty, pretty spoopy. Yeah. Really? So, okay, I, I'm someone that is, like, uh, a big old baby, and I barely play any horror games apart from uh, uh, I played Man of Medan, and I intend to play Until Dawn in a bit, but uh, how would you rate Resident Evil 2? Because I'm actually really interested in that one, because that, I mean, it just looks beautiful. Like a horror uh, scale, or... Overall, scale. on a horror on a horror scale, like how how scary is a Resident well Resident Evil Two specifically? I give it like an eight out of ten. There's there's a good jump scares in the atmosphere. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. There's, there's a lot of scenes where you have to like rely on your flashlight in a dark hallway. Oh, so. <laughs> okay, great. How would you compare it, for example, to PT? PT was a lot scarier. PT yeah, is like yeah. ten out of ten. Okay. No doubt. Okay. Yeah, so I, I've I've not played PT, but I've definitely watched a lot of other people play PT, and that was pretty scary. So, okay, so not as scary as that. Okay, I could I could deal with that. What about um, uh, what should call it? Resident Evil Seven, because that to me looked pretty similar in terms of a uh, horror level to uh, PT. Would you say that's accurate? Is it similar? It's similar, but PT was more like. You had no means to defend yourself, so basically, yeah, just, yeah, that's true. You had to rely on like solving puzzles, like it was just a puzzle solver because it was just like yeah, a, yeah. a quick prelude to what Silent Hills was supposed to be. As yeah, a, but as opposed, but a lot of people made the the differences. But you know, Capcom was making Resident Evil Seven before BT was even released. So yeah, so you know they they were they already had that atmosphere set in stone for recreating you know the horror you know John Ray so mm-hmm. but other than that it's like because you don't have I mean Resident Evil 7 can get scary at times especially if you haven't played it yeah but the atmosphere is still kind of creepy too yeah I definitely want to give it a try like I'm really I'm really into the Capcom games that have been coming out recently namely all the Capcom games that have been releasing on the uh, the RE engine you know, uh, Devil May Cry 5, really been enjoying that. I really uh, am interested in Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes. So, not sure about 7 and 8, but at least the third person ones. Like, there's something about the first person games that just may be a little bit too scary for me. But the third person ones, I think I could probably handle it. Like, at the very least, gameplay-wise, it's more familiar to the kind of games that I usually play. So, there's at least some comfort there. So, that, that yeah, that sounds cool. Um, yeah, uh, speaking of uh, uh, spoopiness, you know, we are in the month of spoopiness, and this is going to be the last episode before uh, Halloween. So, yeah, I wonder what Halloween's going to be like this year. Like... Is it even going to be a thing? Or, you know, Apparently, with the COVID? In some, like, in some places, they were trying to, like, not have it. 
But they yeah. like they quickly rescinded that decision. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, that's gonna be uh, a tough one. I, I'm gonna opt for the side of don't go door to door. If you're desperate for candy, you could you could buy it yourself and just literally <laughs> just buy your own dang candy. And if you want to dress up, you can do that. And if you want to like. Oh, you know it'd be cool if you did like a uh, Zoom call trick or treat, <laughs> like just a randomly uh, Skype call or a Zoom call or something, and you know FaceTime people that you know in your life that will answer your face calls and just be like trick or treat. I don't know how they would give you candy, but maybe there's a system to find out there. Plus, I'm just gonna that. say, yeah. You know, I was also concerned about, you know, the person, you know, if they even had, you know, small sample of COVID and then they're, mm-hmm. you know, touching candy, then you're yeah, getting touching candy. candy too. Ugh, no. Yeah, definitely don't go out and take other people's candy. Buy your own candy that's individually wrapped. Yeah. So now I'm just going to say real quick, you know. Uh, this podcast, we have uh, certain policies that we always uh, abide to. We usually uh, avoid talking about things such as uh, politics and religion. But I'm just going to say very vaguely, uh, you know, for those of you in the U.S., uh, a very important election is coming up. And if you are of voting age, I just want to take this time to encourage you to vote. Because I know we reach a lot of younger uh, people uh, with our podcast and the younger voters are some of the most underrepresented uh, when it comes to uh, your civic duty of voting. So I just wanted to go up, you know, take some time real quick to encourage you to vote. I don't care what you do. Just get out there, go vote for whatever you feel uh, that you believe in. And, uh, you know, you know, if you, at the very least, if you want to reserve your right to complain later, at least vote. If right. you can't complain if you didn't vote, is how I see it. So, if you want to reserve your right to complain about how things are in the country later, you know, go out there, go vote. And if you're not in the U.S. and this has nothing to do with you, um, you know, this is just a request from a, an American. If you do know some Americans, go tell them to go vote. Just be like, look, I can't vote for your your dumb president, but you can. Go vote. So that's 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 all we'll say on the matter. I hope that's not too political for you know our normal discussions, but I just feel very strongly about this, and I think it's very important that everybody goes out. Uh, well, I, not necessarily go out. There's also the option to do mail in because that's what that's what I have to do uh, all the way here from Japan. Which, by the way, I have mailed in my ballot. Hopefully it gets there. Hopefully it doesn't uh, explode or uh, some crazy disgruntled mailman throws it in the garbage. Who knows? So, yeah, so that covers all of that. Uh, Let's uh, move on to the show. For you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes Store, Spotify, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, and Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at KHUnion. We have a two-segment show today. We have a news segment, and we have a question segment. And I guess, like, this time, uh, our news segment is actually going to include 
some impressions that we've gotten from playing a new Kingdom Hearts game. Yay! So we'll, we'll be able to talk about some great stuff there. Uh, in the way of announcements, as always, if you guys like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. And our Patreon executive producers for this episode are as follows. We have Nahika Blawi, Alex and Rachel Troutman, who are at Akira Namejin, Guideseeker, Billy Jackson, who is at underscore Billy Jackson, Chris Morales, Miles Ribbons, Michael Graham, David Calro, Barry Norton, who's at Nortron Zero, Chris Pope, who's at Dr. Pope 181, Thorin Bullen, who's at Masker 23, and Yannick Nod, who's at Yannick Nod, and Churro, if you can take these last ones. We got Tori Patrick, Freya Stella, Feyes Biali, Flipsud Nuss, Lewis James, Tom Hughes, Who's at Tom underscore Hughes 22, Zach Duranto, Yam Potato Exclamation Point, Rachel Casterton, who's at Ubernoon Ray, Zelda Clone, who's at Ape Type Ape Apes Type Novels, Darren Matthews at Doomster73, and Joseph Robertson, who's at Pokemon Trainer J. And be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. And just to uh, give you a fair warning. Kingdom Hearts Remind spoilers are fair game, and I'll just say very specifically, there will be Kingdom Hearts Remind spoilers uh, in the news segment, so uh, just fair warning there. All right, moving on to the news. So uh, our obvious first bit of news that we got to talk about, Churro, is we both played uh, Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory in demo form. Yep. Um, Churro, what'd you, what'd you think? Well, before I answer that, which, yeah. which console did you play on? So I played on Xbox, and I'm going to tell you the only reason why I picked Xbox. I, I can't find my PS4 controller, but I found my Xbox controller. So I was like, oh, well. <laughs> I gotta, I, and let me also say, uh, I literally played it uh, this morning. So <laughs> like uh, within uh, a couple of hours of the podcast starting. So I'm just like, uh, oh, crap i gotta play this for the podcast uh where's my ps4 controller oh whatever it's on the xbox too let me play it so yeah that's the reason why i played on there churro what about you i played on the ps4 but i have it downloaded on my xbox and my switch so i haven't played okay. those yet i actually streamed it when it first dropped at 9 p.m okay on, uh, the it was supposed to be you know the 15th but now they do it by like 12 a.m. Eastern. So, like, when Super okay. 12 Eastern hit, oh, right. yeah, yeah. it was, you know, 9 p.m. the 14th. So, I was like, I played it and I streamed it and uh, I did terrible. I am, yeah, like I, like I said in the last podcast, I am very bad at yeah. rhythm games. Like, I just flat out suck. Yeah. Like, 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 my best score was, like, think a B in one song. And that's on beginning. Wow. Like, I tried standard and I got creamed and I tried. Um, proud and I got creamed even more. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not very good at rhythm games. Let me ask you: Have you tried one button mode? Yes, I have. Okay. How how did one button mode do for you? I did a lot better, but it's I still suck at. But it. still bad, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna join you there as being really bad at rhythm games. I think so far, and I've only played it for one sitting so far, but I think so far my best is also a B. I think that's still my best, and that's including my runs with uh, one button mode. Um, and the rest of mine were C at best. And I got at least one time where I got a D because I died. My first, my first 
after the tutorial, my first one I did, I got a D. So yeah, that shows how bad I am, and that's beginner okay. mode too. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So I that's mean, how bad to be I am. honest, it like when it, when it sets you out there to play the first song and you're not in uh, one button mode, it's it's very challenging. Like the the closest thing I would describe it to is like uh, it gives me very similar feelings as the world ends with you, where it's got that feeling of like. Uh, you know, jump on one leg while you're patting your, uh, you know, rubbing your belly and patting your head. Like, you're doing a lot of different things all at the same time. That's kind of what it... I'm not saying that's what it is, that's just what it feels like. And, like, I can generally handle the complication of, like, okay, so I'm hitting my button, and oh, I need to hit, hit three buttons, I need to hit two buttons. So far, okay, so far, so good. And then uh, once it starts getting into the jumping, it's like okay. Sometimes I'm missing these jumps, but I can I can do them sometimes. And then oh, now we got a glide going. Like the glides are pretty easy, but like it's it's e- it's also just as easy to miss the second button hit or the timing on the button hit just isn't right for the glide. So yeah. I also also found that the input lag can be difficult at times, especially when you're playing on standard or proud. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you have a bunch of Heartless popping up, like, yep. run after another, and you're pressing the buttons, and I notice that even when I'm pressing to match up everything, it's not inputting my uh, command, uh, you know, input. And um, even when I adjust it in the settings, it's still not perfectly sync. And also, knowing that, the attacks doesn't really go in rhythm of the music. Like, mm. it doesn't flow pretty well. So you can't really rely on something like that to help you. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't quite line up. Um, I definitely noticed that. I wonder, because, like, I don't know. For me, I didn't notice the lag as much. But I will, by my own admission, have... I I do personally have pretty bad reaction time, just in general. I do, too. But but (laughs) I will also say um, it could also be a matter of the screens we're playing on because I'm playing on an OLED and at least my, from what I've heard is that OLED screens are pretty good when it comes to uh, response time. That's what I've heard. So I wonder if it's uh, also potentially a screen issue or if it's all the above and like maybe just me having a fast screen only helps mitigate it slightly and maybe for uh for most people it's like uh you know there's input lag from the controller there's input lag from going to the ps4 or whatever to the tv that they're on there's input lag on the tv itself like maybe it's like this cumulative effect and maybe i just get a slight benefit just because i have one piece of the puzzle that's maybe a little faster so I don't know if maybe that's the case, but um, I'll, I'll have to give that a try again when I uh, when I replay it. Uh, I guess like input lag aside, um, what do you feel about the the gameplay in general? Is it like what is this what you expected it to be like, or is it better than you expected? It's honestly it wasn't like exactly how I expected it. Like because like I'm used to like because you know how when you have when you do like Guitar Hero or Dance Dance Revolution, it's yeah. like you have different you know inputs for each one so i i kept yes i kept thinking that donald and goofy were like you know the side buttons or or they were like square and circle and the sort of oh yeah so like i kept hitting that it wasn't the right command it was lr on an r1 and it's like 
and then once I switched to one button mode, they made they made it all easier. Yeah, yeah. I wish that's a good point you bring up. Um, so I, I'll just say real quick on on the whole, it's a lot better than I thought. But I would agree that that aspect of it being like this kind of uh, I don't know vague version of a rhythm game where it's like okay you could press either the a button the lb or the rb or you know the l1 or the r1 or the i guess it would be the x button on the uh uh playstation you know you can play press any one of those three buttons and be fine for a single hit but if you need to hit two you need to hit one of those two and if you need to hit three you need to hit all three i kind of wish it was more specific even though i know that would be harder i kind of wish for the more for more specificity i feel like my reaction time to you know hit the hit the x button versus hit a button i fit i feel like i'm just more in tune with the idea of hit x button specifically yeah yeah just because i don't know there's something about the yeah it is a little uh, a little weird um I also what the other I think the other thing that is weird about it is that the fact that other actions apart from hitting other actions are specific buttons. So the jumping is a specific button. The uh you know use special uh, attack button is still a triangle kind of button. So like the fact that that's the case it's a little bit odd that like the attack button is so vague. Yeah. I- I'm assuming they probably tried making LBRB uh, Donald and Goofy. And I'm guessing that probably was just like maybe too hard to remember. And so they just, uh, I, this I version that hope... we have now is probably just like based on testing. Plus I hear that the switch version, you know, the layout isn't, what everybody like thinks of a, of it yet so they're hoping for a, a, the ability to uh change the input buttons and the settings on the full version yeah i maybe. haven't done i haven't tried it out myself yet but that's what i've been hearing on social media yeah i'm in, i'm interested to, to hear uh about the differences uh on the switch um i guess i'll just mention this here real quick because i don't i don't know when we'll have time to talk talk about it any other time uh i did dip into um the options menu and then dip into their licenses uh list because of course i would read that uh and uh yeah interestingly enough this game is developed on the unity engine not unreal uh so this is the first uh kingdom hearts game made with unity and uh basically uh unity is uh tends to be more popular with indie games and uh lower spec games uh unity is capable of producing visuals on the level of a triple a game but it tends to be more popular with indies uh and you know lower spec titles uh tends to run very fast pretty lightweight so that's why it tends to be pretty popular for those types of games so that makes sense for this game and i would say on the whole speaking of like indie games this definitely feels to me like a smartphone game that would that was ported to the consoles i'm not saying that in a bad way i'm saying like this feels like a good smartphone game 
that was put on console. And it kind of makes me feel like uh, I kind of don't really care for it being on the, uh, the, the, you know, home consoles. Yeah. Uh, not, not one way or the other. I'm not saying like I, I, I'm uh, upset by them being on the home consoles. I'm just like, you know, if this was on my phone, I would actually probably like it a little bit more because it makes sense for it to be on the phone. I wonder if that may be a, in, in the consideration for the future, uh, releasing a iOS version of this. Cause, I wouldn't yeah, mind I, that. I think I would play that. And I know that there are a lot of uh, rhythm games that are popular on iOS and Android. Well, you got to remember, they put the algorithm on iOS, but they never really yeah. updated it. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. But yeah, that uh, that that's a good point. Yeah, the algorithm's on there. So I definitely think like especially with it running on unity like uh unity can run on uh on uh, ios and android so maybe that's a good opportunity for them uh but yeah uh, so far so good i really like uh the gameplay overall i like it a lot more than i thought so if you had a rating out of 10 so far what would you give it yeah so obviously this would be you know me rating it based purely on just the gameplay experience and not on the story which you know for us it tends to be like the thing we're more interested in but that being said based on gameplay alone maybe like a seven like it's not like uh the greatest experience in the universe but it's kind of like a a fun little diversion i kind of see this kind of game though as uh almost like how I see Mario Kart or, you know, Wii Sports or that sort of thing. Something that I can pull out if someone's over and we want to play some 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 game together. Because they do have that co-op mode. And, you know, I know some people that are really interested in rhythm games that may not necessarily be as interested in Kingdom Hearts normally, but might be more interested since it's a rhythm game. So having something that I can pull out like this, play in multiplayer, you know, play co-op or, you know, you know, do pa- pass the controller on different songs in single player. Like, I think this could be like a really great game for that. Like, to be honest, I wasn't sure if I was going to buy it. And now I'm kind of feeling like I think I will. But um, I'm kind of leaning towards buying the Japanese version, and then uh, prior to the you know release, we'll just uh, I, I'll just watch the English cutscenes online, I guess. Uh, that's kind of how I'm feeling now uh, about this. But yeah, if I had to give it a yeah, I had to give it a score, probably a seven so far, just based on the gameplay. Yeah, I would definitely rank it as a seven right now, and you know, there's still time for them to you know, fix a lot of things. Hopefully, you know, Square Enix is reading around social media, YouTube, and putting all their, you know, opinions into, you know, consideration and yeah, fix this up before the release. Yeah, for sure. Uh, although, you know, more now more than ever, I do still, like, wonder about this game and, like, is like who who exactly is this targeted at because i'm not exactly sure kingdom because fans, of course kingdom hearts fans i guess but uh, yeah i mean no no new kingdom hearts fan is gonna i mean 
it's going to be very hard because remember this takes place after Kingdom Hearts three. So basically, yeah, it is. If anybody who's new to Kingdom Hearts is not going to understand anything going on in this yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm sure. Plus, it like I said, it's 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 based on the music. So you yeah, gotta, you know, you got to like Kingdom Hearts music to play this game. So. I mean, there isn't really anyone to really direct us to, but other than Kingdom Hearts fans. Yeah, I feel like, okay, Kingdom Hearts fans that happen to like rhythm games, or be good at rhythm games, or be good at rhythm, or have rhythm, or uh, people that don't know any better that like Disney. Like, that's kind of where I'm at. And yeah, of course, story-wise, yeah, there's no chance anybody will understand anything. If they haven't played Kingdom Hearts, yeah, no question. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Is I, I, I'm very uh, confused still about this game, about who it's specifically for, uh, about the pricing of it being a full sixty dollars. Um, I'm not saying it's not a sixty dollar experience. I'm just more feeling like I don't know if your average kingdom hearts fan is going to get $60 worth of entertainment out of it, if they don't really, uh, buy into or enjoy the rhythm game aspect of it, because the rhythm game aspect of it is like 99% of it. And the story aspect is going to be like maybe 1% of it. And, uh, if that's the case, if all they want is the story out of it, uh, the gameplay is not really going to help them that much for it. And if they really don't like the gameplay, then, uh, yeah, not sure about that. So I, I guess that's mainly where my, uh, concerns lie is like, I'm not saying this does, this game doesn't have value. This game definitely has value. I'll also say that this game is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, it's yep. actually quite good. And yeah, just on the whole, it's, you know, really great. I'm just, you know, I know for me personally, it's probably not like the ideal game for me. And if it was just me by myself and I wasn't a Kingdom Hearts host, would I buy this game for $60? I don't think so. I think I probably would have, I think I would buy it at some point to play the rhythm game, at least casually but I probably would not buy it for full price at release time. Uh, I probably would would have just watched the story cutscenes and been done with it uh, for the time being until it was on sale. But since I have to cover this for a podcast, I will be picking up some version of it. But, you know, that's that's kind of where I'm at. So I'm trying to relate that to you know, what the average Kingdom Hearts fan is uh, like and what what they would be interested in. And I've definitely seen a lot of divisiveness over this demo. And, you know, some people really like it. Some people find it really addicting. And I agree there, there is to some extent some, you know, addictiveness to this. And it's a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, I just wonder. I, I wonder who exactly is going to really enjoy this. Who's going to be the person that, you know is uh you know the ideal candidate for this game and it i think it kind of ticks some weird boxes and i think that might be uh, uh a hard sell for some people so we'll have to see but uh yeah so that's uh i guess that's our uh our impressions you know we both kind of feel like uh seven out of ten so far but yeah. uh i wonder though churro do you think uh 
7 out of 10 is going to hold up in like the typical uh you know game reviewer scene do you think IGN <laughs> is likely to give it a 7 do you think GameSpot or I you think, know your average game reviewer would be willing to give uh, it a 7 I mean seeing how this is like a Kingdom Hearts game light yeah, with the way Nomura has you know con- you know said you know no secret ending no DLC yeah you know very light you know continuous you know story additions just focus on the music I believe this game probably won't hit nine out of ten or ten out of ten it'll probably be it'll drift between like maybe six to six to eight out six to eight out of ten yeah that that that's kind of what I'm feeling a six to eight and. uh you might get a random smattering of uh, uh, ballsy reviewers that really decide to hate on it and then maybe give it a five. I think... I think that honestly, would be not I think, fair. I think, I think Game Informer might be the only one willing to give it, like, maybe an 8.5, 8 yeah. 8.25, or even a 9. Yeah, Game Informer seems like the kind of uh, publication that might be into this sort of thing. Yeah, it, this is going to be uh, a bit of a toss-up. I'm not really sure which way this is going to go. We're not very, you know, we don't have uh, any experience with this kind of Kingdom Hearts game, so who knows. I think probably the most, I don't know, the hardest thing you could levy against this game, apart from people who don't like rhythm games, is the fact that uh, it's a full $60 game for, you know, ostensibly less content than a typical $60 kingdom hearts game would typically have with, you know, very clear, uh, lower, uh, you know, ambitions when it comes to a game that is typically $60, you know, when you sell a game for $60, you have to consider the fact that you're releasing up against other games that are selling for $60. For example, you have Cyberpunk 2077. Like, that's a game that has been in production for, you know, over seven years. It's this massive game, you know, huge open world, next-gen that's releasing on the same console as kingdom hearts melody of memory something that was clearly made within a you know i'm assuming about over the course of one year uh it seems like it might have even been developed by a different studio maybe something outsourced i saw some studio name indie something or other uh, i'll have to look into that a little bit more later like it's a much smaller product than other things releasing at the price of 60 dollars so you know, I feel like that could be something that would work against it in reviews. I feel like if it came out at twenty bucks, if it was a budget release, thirty bucks even, if it was you know budget release like that, it would probably uh, get a pass from a lot of people. Just be like, all right, well, you know, maybe it's not my cup of tea, but hey, it's only thirty bucks, not a big deal. But you know, when you decide to price your game at sixty bucks you open yourself up to expectations, you know, certain expectations that $60 entails. So, I mean, it's, it's a rhythm game. So we're getting at least 140 songs. That's already a lot of songs. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Like I would say no question in, in uh content volume, but yeah, I just feel like in terms of uh general gamers that don't typically play rhythm games, 
you know, if you ask them, okay, do you want 140 of these uh, uh, rhythm uh, uh, songs? Or would you like to uh, buy this uh, game that features Keanu Reeves and is an open world and is extremely high end and high quality and you've been waiting for it for over seven years? You know, that's uh, that's a tough sell. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I liked it. I liked it more than I thought I would like it. I'm excited for uh, November 13th. So, But I just realized that that's the day. I, I'm having a dental surgery. Oh no! So basically, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to like play or stream it because I'll be in, my mouth is going to be so much pain. Yeah, that well. day, and I'm just like, I just realized that I was like, oh god. But well, uh, maybe but not. I hope, I hope everybody maybe not the day of. Day. Yeah, maybe not the day of. But you know what? The day after, when when you're when you're maybe feeling bad, but not that bad, but you know enough that you can still play. Having a new Kingdom Hearts game is going to be nice. Yeah. So that, that that should be good. All right. So I guess moving on to the next topic of uh, of the news, uh, we've got this really great interview that came out of uh, Famitsu talking about the production of the Kingdom Hearts 3 soundtrack. So, uh, yeah, it's a really great interview. Uh, features uh, Yoko Shimomura, Takaharu Ishimoto, and uh, Tsuyoshi Sekito. Uh, the three main composers involved in Kingdom Hearts 3, and they just talked about uh, their experience producing this soundtrack and, you know, the fact that it's coming on eight discs and uh, it's, you know, this huge volume of work. Uh, so, yeah, some interesting little tidbits. They they talked about, you know, some of the production on various uh, songs that were included in there and, uh, you, you know, which songs, uh, were more difficult to produce than others. Uh, they, they talked about, uh, there was a, uh, you know, there was no retakes necessary apparently for any of the Kingdom Hearts three songs, but, uh, for, uh, Kingdom Hearts Unchained Key, there's a song called Union, uh, or, or in for Unchained Key, there's a song called Mission Complete. And that Mission Complete song apparently took eight retakes to make. Which I guess is, uh, yeah, pretty painful. And uh, basically, uh, uh, Shimomura was saying they were struggling to get a Kingdom Hearts feeling to the recording. Because, you know, Kingdom Hearts can't sound too much like Final Fantasy. And I guess that was the problem, was all the takes they were doing sounded too much like Final Fantasy. So... I mean, he's getting closer and closer to that type of level. Yeah, for sure, especially with Yuzora uh, around here. So uh, that that that's pretty interesting. I thought another one that was pretty uh, interesting to hear about was uh, there's a song "Sunshine Dancer," which is from the Tangled World in Kingdom Hearts Three, and they actually needed assistance from uh, Mitsu uh, Mitsuhiro uh, Mitsushiro Ota who worked on the Final Fantasy XV soundtrack, and they got him to uh, uh, record on that song because apparently the intro to Sunshine Dancer is so technically difficult that they were like, they weren't even sure if it was possible to be played by a human. So they're like, oh, let's get Ota and get him, get him to do it. And he knocked it out. And yeah, that was great. They, they, they could just pull out, you know, world-class musician bam knock it out 
you know, potentially, potentially impossible song averted. So there's that. Uh, and then Yokoshimomura. Oh, this was really cool. Is Yokoshimomura actually talked about why she uses so many different languages to uh, name the titles of her songs. And she basically explained that, like, you know, she's got these ideas for the titles of the song, of course, but different languages are better capable at conveying different feelings. And the, you know, the way you phrase something in a certain language, it could be the same exact words delivered in different languages uh, or delivered in in the same in a different language, but it'll have a different feeling to it. So the example she gives is uh, Yozora's theme from uh, from uh, from Remind, uh, Nachtflugel, which means Nightwing, and she basically said like you know the you know if you were to say you know take the you know take the naming of Nachtflugel versus the name of Nightwing, which how it would be named in English. You know, it gives a very different feeling to it. And, you know, me as a native English speaker, I definitely feel that way. Like when I hear, you know, the hear and also read the name Nachtflugel, it has more of an elegant, more of a mysterious vibe to it. Whereas Nightwing just sounds like emo and (laughs) a little bit too edgy, trying to be a lot cooler than you are which I don't know if that is accurate to Yuzora. We don't know that much about him, but I definitely prefer the vibe that we get off of the German take on it. So that's pretty cool. It's a good thing she does do that. I mean, yeah. sometimes, you know, the, you know, a song title in a different language sometimes brings out, you know, the, mo- the most emotion to it. Exactly. Of what she's trying to convey in the, in the music, you know. So that's why I kind of like it when she... Or other artists, or other composers, I should say, try to put their music, their song titles on a different language. Yeah. I also like, um, especially with the fact that, you know, of it being German, it kind of reminds me of, you know, like classical music. Like, you know, you see all these classical music, you know, from Europe, you know, that came from however many hundred years ago. And, you know, they're all from different regions so they're they have different titles and you know their original title is going to be in their you know original language so you know it gives you a different kind of a vibe and i definitely feel like kingdom hearts definitely strikes that kind of tone of like it's very classical sounding very much like classical music it's clear that yokoshimomura really loves uh classical music so by uh using different language titles uh, you know i just personally feel like it sort of uh you know reminds you of classical music in that way uh another thing that she uh mentioned is uh you know when talking about songs that she's uh really proud of uh in the kingdom hearts 3 soundtrack she said that you know it's really difficult to pick a specific song of course but if she had to pick one, it's actually, like we were talking about before, Nachtflugel, the last song she made for Kingdom Hearts 3. And she basically said that, you know, this is a song that I work really hard on to get it, you know, get it just right. And 
she actually had some uh, difficulties making it because when she was originally first playing it out, uh, she actually suffered a power outage uh, where oh. she was. And they were like, oh, did you lose any data when you were uh, recording? And she's like, no, it wasn't that. Uh, she she had all the data. The problem was that she lost the flow of the song as she was playing it because she was you know lost the flow in the middle of it. So she had to go back and re-record from the beginning so she could she could get back into the flow of playing that song uh, the way it's supposed to sound. Uh, and she basically uh, says that and compares it to uh, the big songs out there such as Dearly Beloved, The Other Promise and vector to the heavens you know she she puts it on that level she says that uh it was a nice challenge composing uh saw uh, uh composing this after songs such as dearly beloved the other promise and vector to the heavens i think knocked flugel represents yozora very well and that's important so this is like sounds so cool <laughs> and uh you know to have that song be on that level, it just shows that, yep, uh, Yoko Shimomura is definitely treating Yozora as a very important uh, next step uh, next step for uh, the Kingdom Hearts series. You know? Yep. Just like with the other, uh, you know... Secret ending songs. Secret ending songs and new boss fights. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she seems to go all out for them, you know, with Exodus and then Terra. Yeah, yeah. Young Xehanort. I mean, she knows that whatever she puts on paper now, she's going to have to be calling back to it for years to come. So she, yeah, better do it good this time. You know, even though it's just DLC, you got to do it really good now because this is going to set you up for the rest of, uh, you know, this character's run, so, and, uh, it definitely seems like Yozora is gonna be a big deal, so. Yeah, so that, that on the whole, that was the, uh, interview. I definitely recommend, uh, giving it a read. You can go on, uh, KH13. They've got a translate of it, a translation of it there. Uh, a lot of really great, uh, tidbits there if you want more specificity on, uh, the production of songs from Kingdom Hearts 3. So now moving on to the question segment, our first question comes from Nico Gonzalez and he asks, uh, or, yeah, he's got a uh, email here. Uh, uh, the year is 2021. The coronavirus is definitely maybe kind of sort of controlled at this point. Namora himself calls you and says, Brandon, Churro, help. I was asked by Disney to include some additional lore to the PS5 version of Kingdom Hearts 3. And who better to help me than my dear friends? What would you include in Kingdom Hearts 3 Final Mix? For me, I always thought, uh, I always found it weird that they didn't give any lore explanation as to how, uh, why Sora knew attraction flow and Keyblade transformations. And that we saw no Xehanort until the Keyblade Graveyard. Well, first off, Disney Magic. Yep. Two, uh, the reason why you don't see Xehanort is because he's the main villain. Why would he Why would he go out his way to see Sora when he's got his pawns, when he's got his pawns to do that for him? Yeah, you know, I guess we so. All, we, remember, Xehanort's the type of character that only cares about his goal. Basically, yeah. he'll use... It, it's 
basically it's basically what you see in the scene when they finally get to Keyblade Graveyard. You know, you see Sora and his group and then you know Xehanort. If you notice Sora's in the front of his group while Xehanort's in the back of his group. Yeah. Which just basically yeah. shows that Xehanort is only a, only cares about Xehanort. So, you know, like I said, why would he spend the time to go out there when, you know, he just has his pawns to do his bidding for him? Yeah, that's true. I wonder, like, you know, I, I, I guess you could go two ways with this sort of stuff. You could go the route of, okay, you can add story that changes, uh, you know, the Kingdom Hearts 3 story significantly. Uh, one thing that would come to mind is, you know, which kind of speaks toward uh, what Nico's describing here. Maybe not with Xehanort specifically, but I would personally like to see more uh, organization fights during and throughout the story like we bump into the organization members along the way but we don't fight any of them until the end and then the actual fights that were included were these really stripped down versions where you're fighting all the organization members at once and it wasn't until uh you know the limit cut that was added in uh remind that we finally got that kind of content um, I, I think it might be kind of neat if maybe throughout the entire game we got easy versions, like uh, main story versions, quote unquote, of these fights sort of incorporated throughout the game. That I think that would be pretty cool. But you have to also consider, well, what about all the people that aren't playing uh, the Final Mix version that didn't play this? Does this change the story all that much? And... You know, it could kind of uh, negatively affect it for people that haven't, you know, done that. So, you know, maybe there's a non-story impacting way of doing it. I mean, Kingdom Hearts 2 had the uh, those little portals that you could find in all the other uh, Disney worlds where you could fight a quote-unquote easier version of the organization member as sort of like a uh, appetizer version of that fight. Before you yeah. fight the uh, level ninety nine version, maybe you could have stuff like that. Um, but that's that's definitely one thing that I would like to see is some battles with the organization members. But I would actually want them incorporated into the story personally. Um, trying to think of things other than that. Um, do Do you have anything, Churro, of things that you would really want to see included in a final mix type version? I mean. I want to go off what you said about more organization fights because that kind of that kind of seems more of it shows how intense the situation you know Sora is in you know because yeah. basically you know I think uh, I think it was our scene that pointed out to Sora that you know while you're frolicking about you know you know we're recruiting our members you know for the organization so basically. It would just show Sora, this is, you know, serious, you know. Exactly. Take it seriously. You know, if we don't incorporate more fights, you know, it doesn't have to be the, like, like kind of like how Demix was in Kingdom Hearts 2, you know, where you fought him in the middle of the game, you know, like, yeah. it could be just them and their half their power and then their full power in the Kubrick graveyard, you know, mm-hmm. just to give you a taste of what to expect in the battles yep. to come. Exactly. And especially now, since they've already made the fights... If we could get like a dumbed down version, that would be really nice. 
Um, I guess other than uh, other than that stuff. Um, oh, I got a great one. Olympus Coliseum. Let's have the Coliseum back. That's an easy. Uh, like in terms of content that you could just add into the game and it not affect the story at all. Olympus Coliseum. Yeah, and. I know the more I want to do something different with, you know, the Battle Gates, but to me, the Battle Gates wasn't really that much of a a draw. Yeah, you know, it's not the same. They were only there to help you level up, you know, but other than that, they should have just, they, they could have done both. They could have put that in plus the Coliseum if you wanted yeah. to challenge. I think what could be really cool, now this is like a crazy twist. Okay, you're, you're fighting in the Coliseum, and then... Uh, secret boss shows up and it's one of the uh foretellers you can fight one of the foretellers or maybe like maybe it's all the foretellers that'd be pretty cool but i think would be better like i think in addition to the to zora i think we should have just at least gotten one foreteller fight yeah it's more of foreteller. like because it's like with you know the whole thing Zemnis that Zemnis fought zora and kingdom march one final mix was that he wanted to test them so it's like mm-hmm. Imagine like Ira, because Ira's usually the uh, the leader of the foretellers. He would be the one to test Sora, and then like, and then they would have like another extended version of the gathering, you know, in the in the graveyard when uh, Lushu retrieves his Keyblade. You know, like he's he, you could show like an extended cutscene of him saying, you know, like if of Ira coming back saying, you know, I tested him, and you know he's. You know, this is not, and then they, he says something like, this is not going to be easy or something like that. Yeah, something along those lines could be cool. I think actually, uh, speaking of all of this, um, I do have uh, another idea, but I think we can address it with the next question. So, if Churro, if you take this next one. Yep, this one's by Another Figment, and they write, How, how do you expect us to experience Riku's dive into the world of dreams? Terra. Terra, Aqua, and Ven's continuing adventures. Is that the plot and cage of Kingdom Hearts 4? Or do you think they'd be mostly wrapped up beforehand? So, I actually think that this particular set of storyline, that could be actually pretty neat to include in a Kingdom Hearts final mix. So, talking about, you know, Riku diving into the world of dreams, and then, you know, Terra, Aqua, and Ven, they also have their own adventure that they're going on, whatever that is. Maybe not them, but actually maybe like a small episode with Riku, kind of like how we're getting Kyrie and uh, Mel- Melody of Memory. We're getting a small episode of what she's up to. Uh, could be kind of cool to see, uh, you know, Riku's side of the, uh, the story. And maybe that could be a final mix thing or I guess, you know, uh, addressing this a question a little bit more individually. Um, so it do I think this is the, you know, Riku diving into the dream world? Do I think that's the plot of Kingdom Hearts 4? No. I think Riku diving into the dream world is absolutely going to be set up for Kingdom Hearts 4. It will come earlier in some form somewhere. Uh, yeah. Terra, Aqua, and Ven, I don't know. Terra, Aqua, and Ven could go either way, but I would think it would be really lame if, yet again, they get screwed over and trapped somewhere and now we gotta go save them again yeah well there's that long standing rumor about Kingdom Hearts uh, animated series Yep. and the rumor was that was for Mickey, Donald and Goofy you know that's one part of the piece if that's true mm-hmm. 
you know, and obviously Namoro stated that, you know, we may see another Kingdom Hearts game sooner than we think. Yep. So there's a lot, uh, a lot of options there. I wonder, I know we know for sure that, okay, so Melody of Memory is not going to have a secret ending. We do know that, but I wonder what the main ending slash if there's an epilogue, what the epilogue will reveal to us about the future of the series. Um, you know, I do wonder like in what direction are they going to tip the series in to sort of hint at a direction, you know, with remind, we got the hints pointing towards, uh, you know, Riku, he's got his adventure, we got Kairi. She's going through her adventure, through you know her melody of memory stuff, and we've got uh, Terra Aqua and Ven. We have three different plot threads, and then obviously we have Sora and what happens to him. So there's four plot threads right there. Obviously, Sora is going to be tied in with uh, Kingdom Hearts Four. Uh, you know, we also have Yuzora. He's obviously also tied in with Kingdom Hearts Four, but for you know, Riku, for Kairi, for Terra Aqua Ven, for uh, Young Master Xehanort. He's also got plot threads that are being set up. We've also got Lushu. We've got the Foretellers. We've got the Subject X. We've got so many different plot threads. So I think there will definitely be other games and other projects that will help more tie these up yeah it doesn't have to be kingdom hearts 4 the next one after melody memory you know Nomura can easily put these on other consoles you know like just like you brought up earlier with melody memory it's it wasn't made in unreal it's made in unity yep so i mean they or you know you could do some he could do another mobile game you know similar to dark road so it's like Nomura can and not only that he has three three teams of working on kingdom hearts right now yep so, you know, he's it's not relying bigger. on one. Yeah, it's only getting bigger. He's not relying on one team to work on one Kingdom Hearts game anymore. So, you know, they're, they're, and then, you know, it, it doesn't ha- And then going off the the rumors of the animated series, it doesn't have to be, you know, a game in general anymore. Yeah. And Nomura even stated in the last in, his last interview was that, you know, he acknowledges that 2022 is the 20th anniversary. And then he also stated that, you know, what I have next for Kingdom Hearts is going to surprise you. So, you know, I think, I think we should always, you know, give Namara the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the future of the Kingdom Hearts series. Absolutely. I'm so excited for this series. Like there's so much, uh, being set up now. And I, I know that they're, uh, you know, the teams are only getting bigger. So projects obviously need to get bigger. You know, it's one of those things, uh, that you can pretty much count on when it comes to, well, business for the most part. I think probably Pokemon is the only studio where maybe this doesn't apply, but usually the more successful something becomes, the more effort gets put into it. The more successful it becomes, the more, you know, if if Kingdom Hearts is really successful and they make a lot of money, you know, it's almost by momentum. The pendulum is going to swing the other way as well. You know, the more money that gets fed into it, the more money will be fed back into it and only to make the series even bigger than it already is. I guess, like, 
One thing that I, I, I always, and I, I bring this up all the time, I just wonder like with how crazy Kingdom Hearts is and how inaccessible Kingdom Hearts is, I just wonder how can they uh, justify uh, spending all this money on this really uh, difficult to understand and to penetrate series. You know, I say difficult to penetrate as in difficult to get involved with series, you know, for your average Joe gamer. You know, I wonder, you know, what they're going to be doing in the future to sort of uh, help people to more easily get into the series. I hope there's something. Maybe the animated series is one start. Maybe a melody. Maybe melody of memories. Uh, part of that. Maybe there's a lot of things that they're working on. I just hope that, um, you know, if they're going to really push Kingdom Hearts more than they have in the past, I hope uh, they also put uh, a lot of effort into making Kingdom Hearts uh, a more accessible, you know, franchise as well. Like I, I always want it to be crazy. Like that's Kingdom Hearts. But I just hope there's some, you know, on ramp for people because right now, the uh, uh, barrier of entry is very steep. So yeah, so that's uh, that's that question. So yeah, let's take this uh, this last one. So uh, this one comes from Tyler Espinoza, and they ask if the Switch Pro rumors are true, and a Switch Pro ex- and if Switch Pro exclusive games are allowed. Do you think Kingdom Hearts 3 would come to the console then? So uh, I guess, yeah, uh, just to give a quick explanation, quick primer on this. Uh, so there are some rumors out there of a Switch Pro console releasing early next year. Uh, this has been rumored by sites such as uh, Bloomberg and the Wall Street Journal for several uh, months now. And basically, the idea behind a Switch Pro would be it would be a Nintendo Switch console, a brand new console that runs at a much higher level of performance than a typical Switch console. Uh, there's also been rumors that Nintendo has been reaching out to third party uh, companies saying, please leave your game's frame rates unlocked because uh, the, you know, basically because the Switch Pro is coming, if you play those old games on the Switch Pro, if the frame rate doesn't have a lock on it, then it'll go as fast as it possibly can. It'll go as fast as it can up until 60 FPS. So that'll help, uh, you know, improve performance in games without any companies having to do any updates at all. So um, that's that's uh, potentially something Nintendo has been reaching out towards. So I guess the idea behind this is like, hypothetically speaking if that console does exist and if uh they allow for games to be made exclusively for the switch pro which nintendo has done in the past uh namely in the game boy color game boy color had exclusive games and also on the new 3ds new 3ds also had exclusive games so if that happened do you think kingdom hearts 3 would stand a chance then Hmm. maybe (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah maybe maybe just maybe because <laughs> it really depends on what the switch pro is going to offer and and you know because you know we you have you know the series x and you have the ps5 and how they've been you know bragging about their you know their specs yeah and we all know that a switch pro specs probably won't be as high as their specs yeah still. nowhere near i guess so at best it might be closer to like the ps4 and the xbox one 
Maybe slightly towards the pro versions. Yeah, maybe slightly towards the pro versions. And maybe then it's a possibility. I mean, if Kingdom Hearts 3 can run on PS4 and Xbox yeah. One, then yeah, then it, then the Switch Pro is going to have a shot, but... Yeah, you know, but then oh, but still, uh, another still another uh, another quick uh, rumor for the uh, Switch Pro is that um, uh, they're prepare they may have also been talking to people to prepare their games for 4K, uh, which some people are uh, speculating that because the Switch has uh, the Switch is based on NVIDIA technology, NVIDIA has this uh, AI upscaling software called dlss so it's like Mm -hmm. deep learning super sampling so it's ai based upscaling of video that looks so good uh on pc some games that use dlss the dls for dlss version looks better than native resolution so uh basically it'll take like for example uh 1080p so your your uh pc will be rendering at 1080p and then dlss will use AI to fill in the blanks to upscale to 4K. And that DLSS version of that fake, fakely made 4K on a lot of games is actually better than if you rendered it natively at 4K. Like, in some cases, it's actually really good. So some people are speculating that that might be the route Nintendo might go for. So, you know... If they're able to run 4K, like that'd be pretty crazy, especially for like a <laughs> a console that you could hold in your hand. Yep. So, I guess I don't, I don't know. For me, my biggest concern, apart from power, would also be install base. Like, you know, yeah. If you were so to able to release, if you were able to release it on all Switch consoles, that would be fine. But this, you'd be assuming a lot that Square Enix would even bother to release it only on the pro like how many people are realistically gonna buy that like not that many to be honest i mean barely anybody can still buy a switch exactly yeah that's true so i mean it's gonna be very it's gonna have a slow start for people owning it once they sell out and then trying to restock and sell out yeah i kind of feel like if if square is really going to take it seriously with nintendo on this kind of stuff, it would probably have to wait for an actual Switch 2 and not a Switch Pro. I just don't see them uh, doubling down on something so, uh, you know, limited in terms of uh, install base. So that's just kind of my uh, my feeling on that. But I'm eager to be proven wrong. So yeah, that... uh. I think that pretty much wraps up our uh, show for today. Our music for this episode comes from Eric L. and Friends. Uh, there's lots of uh, different jazz YouTubers. You got Insane in the Rain and lots of other people, like people that we've actually featured on the po- uh, podcast in the music segment before, all got together for this uh, Destiny Islands cover, a Destiny Islands big band jazz cover. And it is so jazzy. It is so good. I just thought it would be perfect, you know, since this is the episode we're talking about uh, previewing uh, uh, Melody of Memory and obviously Melody of Memory, very famous for the jazzy version of Dearly Beloved. So 
Hope you guys enjoy that. You can find this on Eric L's YouTube channel. So just search for Eric L on YouTube. And our next episode of Kingdom Hearts is scheduled for the 3rd of November. Wow. If I'm not mistaken, isn't that like when uh, people have to vote in the U.S.? Yep, that's election day. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, uh, good luck, guys. (laughs) Good luck, everybody. And, uh... Anyways, uh, yeah, so you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts, and we're number one! Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com, Spotify, or... Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at KHUnion. And remember, you can support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And if you want to have your questions answered on the show, please send them to KHUQuestions at gmail.com. All right, Chero. It's that time again. It's goodbye time. Really? Again? Yeah, it is. You know, I wonder, you know, we waited all this time to play uh, the Melody of Memory uh, demo. And then next episode, uh, according to my calculations, is the November 3rd. And then the episode after that, according to my calculations, is November 17th. Um, you know, we're not going to have anything to talk about too huge. <laughs> on the next episode what is there what could we possibly talk about churro for next episode unless the site updates or we get another um maybe there'll be a good interview interview. yeah we'll have to see on that one uh but i guess the good news is uh since the podcast after that would be the 17th and the 13th the game will already be out in english for everybody you know, we, we will be able to, for once, Churro, review the game on time. Yay. That'll be great. So 17th, look forward for a uh, review from us. And, uh, yeah, I think that pretty much uh, wraps up the show. Churro, let's say our goodbyes. All right, bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you guys are enjoying the demo, because uh, yeah. we did. Yeah, definitely. Let's uh, Let's keep playing the demo. All right, and I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production.